again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 356. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 356. Happy American Flowers Week and happy Independence Day. It's July 4th and we've had an incredible week-long celebration of domestic, local, seasonal, and beautiful flowers and foliage in all 50 states. It's not too late to get in on the festivities. Slow Flowers created the original domestic floral promotion holiday in 2015 and we have had a terrific run as this campaign builds and expands to include even more of you. Taking place during the week of June 28th through July 4th, American Flowers Week involves flower farmers, floral designers, studios, markets, grocery stores, wholesalers, and promotions both in person and online. Thank you to everyone who is joining the party and sharing talents, creativity, imagination, and enthusiasm as you engage the public and fellow industry members in the conversation about American-grown flowers. I'm so wowed by what I've seen online and in person. I love that this campaign creates authentic engagement and experiences. Farmer to florist, root to bouquet. It means so much that you've attended this flower party. I'm recording this introduction on July 1st, during the heart of American Flowers Week, while attending the American Institute of Floral Designers annual symposium in Washington, D.C. A few amazing flowery things are happening here in our nation's capital. First, I'm still on a major high, holding on to that euphoric feeling of gratitude and love for the Slow Flowers community, because two days ago I hosted the second annual Slow Flowers Summit, also here in Washington, D.C. Thanks to the generosity of AIFD's board and staff, we co-located with their conference and used meeting space here at the Marriott Wardman Park in Washington, D.C. for a sold-out Slow Flowers Summit. The summit is the live embodiment of American Flowers Week. So imagine being together with 100 amazing speakers, designers, flower farmers, innovators, influencers, and leaders in the Slow Flowers movement. Look for photography and video from our events by searching the hashtag Slow Flowers Summit. You'll be hearing a lot more from me about the summit, including next week's extensive recap with a big announcement about the 2019 summit. So be sure to tune in to episode 357 on July 11th. Over the past month, you've heard from three of the floral artists who imagined and engineered botanical fashions for the American Flowers Week Couture Collection, including my conversations with Hedda Brostrom of Full Bloom Flower Farm and Floral Design, 
Faye Zera Krauss of Flora Organica Designs and Carly Jenkins of Killing Frost Farm. As we've learned how each designer translated her creative vision into a wearable floral garment, our imaginations have just exploded. At least mine have. I know yours have too. Today you'll learn more about designing and fabricating a flower that blooms into a model's garment. That takes a lot of imagination, which is what today's two guests possess in large quantities. And how fitting for the fourth annual American Flowers Week, we are visiting the 49th and 50th states from Alaska to Hawaii. The Hawaii look was designed by our first guest, Allison Grace Higgins, and her team at Grace Flowers Hawaii. The Alaska look was designed by our second guest, Kelly Shore of Petals by the Shore, featuring peonies grown by Beth Van Sant and Kirk Wyhand of Scenic Place Peonies in Homer. Both stylized shoots are featured in the June 2018 issue of Slow Flowers Journal in Florist Review, and you can find links to those stories in today's show notes as well. You'll first hear my interview with Allison, followed by a recent conversation with Kelly. Visit DebraPrinzing.com for today's episode 356 show notes to see photographs of these enticing creations as flowers are elevated from a field or forest to a couture look. The designers have shared some fun behind the scenes images too. So it is my pleasure to introduce you first to Allison Higgins of Grace Flowers Hawaii, a full service florist based in Hanoka'a on Hawaii's Big Island. Allison and her team of designers have more than 25 years of experience in floristry, working extensively with their clients to materialize visions into tangible reality. They did that for me too. Grace Flowers Hawaii specializes in creating beautiful floral arrangements for any occasion. And as members of Slow Flowers, they strive to source as many local flowers and foliages as possible. One of the studio's main beliefs is to leave the planet better, so staff members take recycling and composting seriously. One member of Allison's team even has a small herd of pigs who love to roll around in the shop's island-grown green waste. That's cute. Having recently moved into a much bigger space that accommodates its increased business, Grace Flowers Hawaii has a retail space, a design studio, storage for an ever-growing prop inventory, two shop cats, and room to host community events. If you're in the area, drop by and say aloha. I met Allison through her shop manager, Nicole Cordier, and Nicole was intimately involved in the creation of Grace Flowers Hawaii's couture floral wearables. I have known Nicole since 2011 when we met in Seattle. She's one of the original front desk managers at the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, working closely with the flower farmers who launched the cooperative seven years ago. Nicole is also a super talented floral artist. She relocated to the Big Island and joined Grace Flowers Hawaii several years ago. And she continues her love affair with locally grown seasonal flowers, connecting with farmers and growers across the Big Island to incorporate their tropical and temperate floral crops into Grace Flowers Hawaii's design work. You will fall in love with the amazing botanical palette featured in the majestic men's cape and stunning woman's high-low skirt, as well as the lei and headpieces that accessorize the floral fashions created by Allison, by Nicole, and by their colleagues at Grace Flowers Hawaii. I'm so happy we could shine a light on the flower farmers and floral designers of the 50th state. Today's show notes will also feature links to all of Grace Flowers Hawaii's social places where you can see even more of this innovative studio's creativity. Our second guest is Kelly Shore of Petals by the Shore. 
Kelly has appeared on this podcast in the past, and I'll have a link to that interview. Today, we're discussing how she teamed up with Scenic Place Peonies to interpret the peonies of Homer, Alaska in a brilliant manner, showcasing place and time in a breathtaking new way. Based in Damascus, Maryland, Kelly Shore began her floral career in a small campus flower shop at the University of Illinois. What began as a curiosity to know more about floral design quickly became a passion that she didn't know would become her future. She went on to receive a Bachelor's of Arts in Advertising and from there a Master's in Elementary Education. In between studying for those degrees, she designed wedding florals for close friends and family. I loved being asked to do this and I could never say no, Kelly says. After several years, I couldn't hold back my passion for floral design and Petals by the Shore was born in 2011. In the past two years, Kelly has dramatically shifted her focus to American-grown inspired design. She has led the First Lady's Luncheon floral design team for two consecutive years and last year served as featured guest designer at the Field to Vase Dinner in Homer, Alaska. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. And today we're continuing our conversation about the amazing florists and flower farmers who are, are behind these botanical looks, our floral fashions that are celebrating American Flowers Week. And I'm so excited to introduce Allison Grace Higgins of Grace Flowers Hawaii. Hi, Allison. Hi, Deborah. So excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad we're on the line. We're doing this over Skype. I'm not with you in Hawaii, unfortunately. No, soon. <laughs> One day. Yes. One day. We're going to get you over here. Right. Well, well, Grace Flowers Hawaii is in Honoka'a, which is on the big island. And um, just describe Correct. describe your business a little bit so people can kind of picture you, um, whether they've ever traveled there sure. or you know what what they may know already and place yourself on the island. Yeah, so we are on the Hamakua Coast, which is, um, if you're visiting fun places on the island, is by Waipio Lookout, and that's a really popular tourist destination, um, and as well for locals. Our town is very small. Um, I have no idea how many people live here, but it's a small town, and um, we're the only florist um, in the town, and, but we, we do service the whole island. Um, our shop is actually one of the larger shops on the island, and um, we were able to do that because the area we're in is a little bit more, it's smaller and it's not as developed as some of the other areas as far as economically. So we're able to kind of keep our overhead a little lower, but still still drive out to other regions. Mm, mm-hmm. So it's, it's a great spot. Yeah. So you basically have a re- retail walk-in business and you're full service for all your every occasion one would imagine, right? Yes. But weddings... <laughs> Which does make it crazy. We're open <laughs> seven days a week um, and we do do weddings um, and events and funerals um, and lay and all of <laughs> all of the other floral needs that come with that. Mm. Mm. Well, uh, some people may remember uh, reading the uh, piece that I, I did about you um, in the April issue of Florist Review about destination weddings and kind of mm-hmm. the, the unique niche that you're in where it seems like people get married all year round and every day of the week on the big island. You just, yes. We're on the phone now. It's a Monday and you've already had one wedding today. Yes, that's correct. We... Um we're averaging about 35 weddings um, and events a month. 
Mm. And that hasn't slowed. That's been pretty steady from January on this year. Last year was closer to 30, but yeah, it's been, um, it's been <laughs> escalating. Wow. Yeah. In a good way, I guess. I mean, it's, uh, yes. be careful what you wish for, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> well, I am, I'm so thrilled that, um, when our mutual friend, Nicole Cordier, who is your studio manager and, um, my pal from yeah. when, when she lived here in Seattle, when Nicole introduced us and I asked the two of you, would you be willing to be part of American Flowers Week and the Floral Couture, uh, wearables, uh, collection, you guys immediately said yes. And I couldn't be happier. Oh, we're <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, We'll share some photos in the show notes uh, of this magnificent two-garment duo that you created. But before we Mm -hmm. talk about it, uh, describe, like, what types of wearable uh, floral pieces have you done in the past? I mean, was this kind of taking it to the next level for you? This this, uh, was absolutely taking it to the next level. I, um, years ago maybe played around with a little bit of like a hydrangea pop um, for a Halloween costume. Mm -hmm. And we do do a lot of like headpieces and lay, but as far as making a wearable garment, it was definitely something I've always, you know, wanted to attempt, but just never really had the opportunity or time or reason. Um, And so Nicole and I were both thrilled to be able to, uh, kind of come up with some ideas and do this. Um, mm. But yeah, this is, this is definitely the first um, of this magnitude that I, I believe for Nicole also either of us had attempted. Um, when we first started talking about it, I did do kind of a, a sample top that just to sort of get the idea and see if our visions were going to kind of work in the way we were hoping they would. And, and they did. Um, but other than that, no, we, haven't. <laughs> we don't do this on a regular basis. Oh, no. Oh my goodness. Well, what is so special about it is there is a, a male model wearing this amazing regal, I guess, cape, right? It's it, what, what, is yeah. that what you call it? Yeah. We were calling it a flower cape, um, mm. or cloak either, mm-hmm. you know, we're not, we're not picking as long as they're, they're nice words, you know, <laughs> well, call I mean, it what you like. It's like shoulder to ankle. I mean, it's massive mm-hmm. and it's full length. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, for the female model, you had, um, a wrap like skirt. I mean, I, I kind of, uh, full length in the back and then it kind of tapers up to the sort of high, low effect in the front. And yeah. Um, we um we looked at a lot of imagery um of of dresses that had been done and the high low didn't seem to have too much um you know play mm-hmm. right. <laughs> so we thought well that would be fun and it you know it's not as formal and you know Hawaii's a little more of an informal location and it had almost sort of a beachy vibe um so yeah we we kind of went with that cut because of the the you know the way that it moved on our model um and we we really were excited about doing the back and having a little bit of a train but not anything extraordinary she could actually still walk in the piece um yeah so yeah that was that was important it's funny i'm looking at the picture right now and when you talk about a train even your placement um and i think nicole you worked more mainly on the cape and or primarily, I, yep. yep. And Nicole worked on the skirt. There's this sort of mm-hmm. anthurium at the base of the skirt that it has a little bit more of like a ruffle effect, almost like a textile. Yeah. And 
Uh, now I yeah. see why that decision was made to place that at the bottom. Yeah, well, and it was really heavy. Um, and so we were sort of trying to do lighter things towards the top and heavier on the bottom. Um, mm. And especially for Nis- Nicole's skirt, um, that really kind of came into play more so for the, you know, than the cape. The cape, I actually felt like I almost got away with the easier one. I don't know. <laughs> because... I think you had a, probably <laughs> twice as many pedal elements to sew onto that cape. Yeah. <laughs> But my, um, the fabric we were using as a base, mine didn't crease. Mm, Whereas mm -hmm. Nicole's, you know, had a lot of, you know, because we wanted there to be, you know, flow like fabric. Hers wasn't just a straight piece. So when she was putting things on, you know, she really had to like move it and, and play with the fabric and play with the flowers. mm -hmm. Whereas my cape, I could lay it down and like Mm -hmm. implement it. It took us the same time as both, but, Mm -hmm. um, I felt like (laughs) I, I might have gotten away with the easier piece. Are you saying that you could almost have it flat on a table and attach the botanical elements? I could, okay. yes. For mine, Nicole's, we we sort of we put an urn upside down and tied it because it was <laughs> it was actually a finished. Yeah, I have some pictures. I'll share them with you. Um, it was a finished piece of fabric. We had a friend of ours, Michelle Barcel of Big Island Grown, the shop here in town. She actually sewed us pieces. Oh. For, for us to use as the base. So it was actually black velvet. Um, and we used, we put the flowers in the back side of that so that the inside was soft against their skin and also would really look regal mm. if you did see the underside. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. Um, like it's lined almost. Yeah. It's almost lined. Yes. Wow. Well, they and were, that way it was more comfortable for the model. Yeah, that's a really good point. And um, I know that several other of our um, the designers who you know use other botanical materials from other parts of the country were also uh, employing you know garments from the Goodwill or chicken wire. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like you have to be really <laughs> in, ingenious to yeah. pull it together. And, and they did such an amazing job. Oh, oh my gosh, everybody did. Uh, you get the prize though for the number of different varieties. Um, and I, I, I'm looking at, I, I, I don't even think the list that I have is complete, but you know, everything from a butylon to Spanish moss to fiddlehead ferns, tea leaves, many types of orchids, mm-hmm. uh, many, yeah. excuse me, many types of what you'd call, consider probably traditional tropicals like birds of paradise and, mm-hmm. um, bougainvillea and there, Ugh, it's crazy. Yeah, a lot of varieties of anthuriums on the cape, actually, on the very bottom in that dark, dark section. Oh, yeah, right. Those are a dark chocolate anthurium that kind of catch the light with the shimmer. So yep. I know Nicole has some really gorgeous obake, which are those large, you know, multicolored kind of usually a green with reds and oranges um, anthurium. Mm-hmm. And um, those yeah. are from Pacific Floral Exchange, and they just do a fantastic job. But they cover a lot of space, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Which <laughs> you <mean> you like <laughs> after your <laughs> tiny, your tiny little petal details in some of these. You yes. kind of, you kind of did the both pieces sort of have a banding, like you would you would mm-hmm. um, almost have a whole row of one. Uh, leaf or petal or flower and then you'd, mm-hmm. you'd you'd go to the next color and you so it's it's very it has a very distinct pattern the way you did it thank you yeah we both we wanted them to complement each other but not match mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and the banding made it easier for us 
to make, you know, it cohesive. We didn't want to look too hodgepodge. And, you know, especially with the textures and the colors and the sizes, you know, we didn't want to get overwhelmed or lost. Um, And then the banding also helped with mechanics. You know, if you're doing a band of flowers and then layering it, it's it's a little bit easier than, you know, just Mm. going wherever. Mm -hmm. Oh, because Um, did you start at the bottom and work your way up? I started at the bottom and worked my way up. Nicole started at the top and worked her way down. <laughs> well, it's it's just interesting <laughs> to think about just the practical things. Like, um, were these elements glued or sewn or, or was it a combination? So they were actually glued. We wow. talked about sewing, but because of the fragile nature of the flowers, we just felt like it might be mm. um, redundant. Mm-hmm. If this was something that... You know, if it was going to be for a wedding or something that was going to be, you know, longer than just, you know, a picture, a photo shoot, really, we might have sewn it. Um, But the glue actually held pretty good. Yeah. And the back of that velvet is kind of, it's almost like a cotton, uh, it has a lot of tactile quality so that that the glue has something to hang on to. Uh, the for, glue held on to it perfectly. We were mm-hmm. really pleased. It does almost has like a mesh mm-hmm. in the back. You know, it's, it's a real porous mm-hmm. fabric in the back of the velvet. So that helped a lot. So I think it would really, if anyone is trying to, you know, to create something like this, having a fabric that leans itself while the gluing is important. Right, right. <laughs> um, for the mechanic. Well, you did confess to me that you added up the hours it took to manufacture or build each of these. And yes. Was it something like 16 <laughs> hours for each garment? It was two full days. Yeah, about two full eight-hour days per garment. And then my my the rest of my staff, um, Nicole's my shop manager, as we mentioned. And then we have, um, besides Nicole and I, eight other employees. And almost everyone made a lay... Um, mm. for our model Kayla to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, instead of doing a top for her, we decided the lay would make, you know, a little bit calmer, <laughs> you know, right. just sort of bring it together better. Right. Um, and so the 16 hours each for the cape and then also the skirt, and that doesn't include the hours that the lay making took. And then I made the headpieces yeah. also, and that was probably another couple of hours. Ugh. So. They're amazing. I'm not great at math. Whatever, 16 plus 16 <laughs> plus a couple hours. <laughs> Probably a, f- a full week uh, that you gave you gave from, from Grace Flowers Hawaii to American Flowers Week. So I appreciate that uh, oh, from the we bottom of so my heart. Oh, we were so thrilled. It was such a fun project. We were just, and the growers that, you know, are on our island were just fantastic. You know, obviously for, for in celebration of American Flowers Week, everything in the Cape and the skirt, everything we used was grown locally on our big island. We didn't even actually source from other islands. Everything was grown locally, including the snapdragons, the status, the dianthus. Um, yeah, we just have some amazing flower producers here on this island. So kind of a combination of what you would say are exotics and tropicals, but then also kind of herbaceous cut flowers, or I don't know, there was a term that I think uh, Nicole was using. Temperate? Temperate, yeah. Temperate Temperate flowers. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we have a grower up in Volcano, not near the volcano itself, but in the region called Volcano, and it's a colder region of the island, and he doesn't grow anything tropical. Hmm. He only grows temperate, so he, we get local ranunculas, we get local, like I mentioned, dianthus, snaps, status, 
Queen wow. Anne's lace. That, That's you amazing. know, things that normally you'd have to bring in off of island. So it's it's fabulous. It's so much more, you know, fresh and just such great product. You're right. You wouldn't know, um, you wouldn't associate those things with uh, Hawaii necessarily, but it, it as a full service florist, you probably need all kinds of ingredients all the time, not just, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, a lot of the, a lot of the, um, you know, people that grew up here were born and raised, you know, they see the tropicals all the time. So when they get flowers as a gift, it's more exciting for them to get things that are more exotic for us, you know, roses, mm. um, even carnations, things that, you know, florists on the mainland probably use on, on a much more regular basis than we do. Yeah. Um, Sunflowers are hugely popular over here. That's so um, cool. But yeah, so, you know, we're always trying to have a really strong mix of both temperate and tropical flowers in the shop, and having local growers helps with that. Yeah, it's good to rem be reminded of that term. Uh, before we go on, I want to just back up and ask about the lei. Um, that is a specialty of Grace Flowers Hawaii, isn't it? Is it one of your services that you provide? Handmade it lay. is. It's absolutely one of our services. We do. We try to make most of our lay in-house. There's a few that we source locally. Um, but yeah, the I'd say 80% of our lay, we actually string up in-house. Um, wow. And there's a lot of different varieties and styles of lay. You know, the traditional ones that you see around the neck are usually on strings. Mm -hmm. They call that kui. Mm -hmm. And then the head lay or le po'o. Le po'o is head lay in Hawaiian. Um, those we often wrap or vili, and they call them hakule also, but that that actually means the braid, and we actually wrap ours vili. Mm. So yeah, we do. We those are the main styles that we do, but we can do it with almost any flower. Um, we actually deconstructed some bird of paradise for one of the lay, and just strung those up, um, and camellia flowers, crown flowers, and as you mentioned, the Spanish moss. Um, and then took apart this flower called a blue jade and just did one, one part of it. And that, that gave this really rich, almost periwinkle purple color for the bracelet. Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, it, will be, it really has the, a jewel-like um, kind of aesthetic on every one of these because they weren't what you'd expect from like a travel agency when you, you know, go on your honeymoon mm -hmm. and land in Hawaii. These are, these are so artfully done with a whole different, every, every strand is of a piece. Like it's just got a theme and then that you must have a dozen or so around the model's neck to create almost a different yeah. type of garment in a way, the way it covered her entire yeah. like neck to waist. Mm-hmm. We were, we were trying, we were trying to use things that even people that were from the islands and used to seeing lay would be like, Oh, huh, what's that? You know, to create interest, um, for anyone looking at this, um, you know, not just, you know, people that aren't used to maybe seeing lay, whereas, you know, people who are from here would be like, Oh yeah, I feel all the mm. time. We were trying really hard to create interest for everyone mm. viewing it. It's beautiful. And I am so pleased that you you have such good relationships with growers and farms on the island. You were able to um, kind of put out your wish list and, and get a lot of unique material. And it looks like you had about six or so or seven um, farms on the island who participated in yeah. this. That's, that's amazing. I'm, I'm yeah. so grateful for and their support. And farms we use on a weekly basis. Basis. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and we paid for some, you know, and some of them donated some also. So it was a really nice mix of, you know, 
that. And then we forged for some items as well. Wow, that's fabulous. Well, we could go on and on about this. It's just, honestly, I think that now you're going to have to have like some kind of wedding specialty that, you know, if you really want a Hawaiian wedding, you have to come to Grace Flowers Hawaii for the full tropical, you know, garment immersion experience. And, (laughs) you know, there's probably some bride who would love this. Just go for it like, you know, crazy. If the price was right. um... If the price is right, yes. Uh, yeah, it would be fun. It would definitely be exciting. A lot of the brides these days want a little softer colors, so mm. it would have to be the right bride. Mm-hmm. Right, because this is a vivid palette. You're right. You could do it in, is, in all pastels, too. I guess you just had have a, maybe a different palette of of, uh, of botanicals. Yeah, we'd have to, I'd, I'd say it would probably be a little less tropical. It's harder to find you know, the tropical flowers, they do come in pastels, but they're not as common and mm. getting them in mass is mm-hmm. a little more difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The orchids, Which, they, had, they had orchids in the headlay um, were kind of a pale, um, yes. pseudo pale Those pink. are yeah. local symbidiums um, mm. from the orchid people. They do an amazing, I mean, the colors they come out with are just Mm. mind-blowing. Yeah, beautiful. Well, let's talk a little bit about you and your business. You've you've uh, kind of grown up in the floral industry on the Big Island, Allison, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. My um, Well, my grandma, Grandma Grace, when she was younger, she was a florist, um, actually in Oregon. Oh. Um, and this was years and years and years and years ago, um, probably before I was even born. But my dad, you know, I, I think kind of caught her flower bug and he his main goal was to move to Hawaii and start a tropical nursery. Mm. And so I was actually grew up in a plant nursery in um, Camuela. My mom and dad ran. Um, and I, you know, just was always around plants. I was always making little like rings out of grass, you know, <laughs> and, um, stringing up lay. My sister and I, well, one of my sisters and I, we'd sell lay on the side of the road. And like, we lived in the middle of nowhere. So we were selling them on the side of the road, like, <laughs> miles from anything and we had like this little stand and we'd have tea leaf lay and plumeria legs we had a plumeria tree and we'd sell them we'd be like so excited if we made like twenty dollars you know like other kids here like nine and seven (laughs) like other kids have lemonade stands and you guys are out there selling you know beautiful lay oh well, that's pretty... Exactly. That's, so did you think you'd stay in that industry or just... just no, um, well, I um, I actually wanted to be a botanist. Mm. Um, I was going to... It was funny when I was in elementary school, they did this program where you had to go and um, shadow, um, shadow some workers. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a career development program and they took us down to a resort, which is where a large majority of, of the people, you know, on our island do work at resorts. And they were like, well, what, what career do you want to go in? I said, I'm going to be a botanist. And they were like, well, we don't really, you know, we don't usually put women in landscaping and we'll put you in the florist. And I was like, so annoyed. I was like, I'm not going to be a florist. Like, I'm going to be a botanist. I'm not working with other people. I'm going to be a scientist. <laughs> right. I just remember having so much attitude. And then. And then falling in love with floristry and starting at a resort in a florist shop wow. when I was 17. Wow. And, um, becoming assistant manager within a year and ending up managing the shop and ending up becoming a florist. Um, wow. So wow. good job, Poilo School. You uh, 
kind of got me into it. Oh, that's, so you were like a high school student when that first happened, when they, they told you you couldn't be in landscaping. I, was, I was not even a high school student. No, I was at, I was probably maybe a junior or not even, a, I was probably eighth grade. Oh my goodness. I want to yeah. say, I mean, it was, yeah, I, I don't even think I was a freshman. Our school went to ninth grade and then I did home study. So it was definitely ninth grade or below. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, yeah. So of course then, they're going to put you in the, um, like the, the female role, right? They're going right. to pigeonhole you. Yeah. yeah. And I was so pissed. I was just like, no, no, you, no, this is not what I want. I, like, I don't even remember the shop because I just remember being so mad. Like I was just so against it. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I ended up, that was my first job working at a hotel florist and just loving it. Yeah. So what, um, what, what, what flipped the switch for you? What, what made it not so yucky? <laughs> you know, I think, I think the fact that I, um, wasn't, it was my idea then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and then, um, just the fact that I could be creative and that I was working with these flowers and the challenges, you know, florist work always has challenges every day. You know, you're coming up against, Oh, well, a bride wants this. How do I create that look? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, even when you think you've done everything, somebody comes along and goes, I want sunflowers in the shape of a pineapple and I want them three feet tall, you know? <laughs> no way. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I want palms coming out of the top. So the whole thing's look like, looking like a pineapple. Um, you know, just every every day, you know, there is repetition, but there's just such a vast, amount of flowers and, and product and things to learn. It, it really captivated me. Um, and I decided to open my own shop, um, pretty, pretty early on when I was working at the hotel, they kind of wanted me to maybe put a bit in it, but I was really young. I was like 22 and I knew owning a business was like a full-time Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. didn't have a life. Mm-hmm. You mean like um, you mean like buy, buy the flower shop that was at the resort? Well, they they had a company rep that I worked for, mm. and they weren't renewing their contract, oh, and they I wanted see. me to, to to put a bid on it, basically. Oh, and yeah. I just said, you know, I'm not ready for that. But I did flowers on my own after that. Still, the company I was working for was based off a different island. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they didn't have work for me unless I wanted to move and I, you know, and I didn't, um, so I, I kept in touch with a, a couple of the wedding coordinators and contacts I'd met and did some freelance weddings. Um, and then, you know, probably, you know, eight, 80 years later or so in 2012 is when I finally opened Grace Flowers Hawaii mm-hmm. and Started out really small. You know, we talked a little about my little town I live in. And um, I just, I had a little hole in the wall and I managed to get a refrigerator, which in Hawaii is like the one thing you have to have to I be bet. a florist. Right. You know, um, either very good AC or you have to have a fridge. Otherwise, you know, the tropicals hold up pretty good. But if you bring in roses, you know, their shelf life is not going to last if you don't have refrigeration. Right, right. Um, And I'm sure that's the case in a lot of, you know, a lot of places. Um, So I got a fridge. Somebody said, hey, you know, I don't know if you're serious about opening a shop. There's a a used fridge for sale. And it was a huge beast of a fridge. And (laughs) it took (laughs) it took a a whole fiasco getting it to me. Um, 
and I opened with my just myself and um that was almost it'll be six years in November and we now you know are we have 10 employees and (laughs) yeah and do a large amount of weddings and yeah, if, I mean, it feels I've like, got a great team. Yeah, it feels like it's been this rapid uh, ascension of, you know, just building year upon year. And I mean, other than the fact that your aesthetic is beautiful, but you're, I feel like you're also um, really well networked on the island from what we, our past conversations, mm-hmm. uh, it seems like you're, you're devoted to partnering with other wedding vendors and um, yeah. wedding planners and that, you know, you, you kind of are seen as, uh, someone that they can count on who can deliver. And I'm sure that customer we service is... Our best. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you have, I'm sure you have um, competition, but it, do you feel like sourcing on the island is one of your, you know, one of the things that you've put a value on in terms of finding local product? Yeah, absolutely. We're always looking for even more, you know, the more things that we can get locally. Um, and, you know, not to to say we don't really appreciate the other you know, product that we get out of state, Mm -hmm. but, you know, you can't be having, picking something up, you know, the day of that it's picked or the day after it's picked for for quality. Right. Um, and, and I really like unique and different and fun. And a lot of times if you're working with a grower really closely and they can, they can tell you, Oh, we have scabiosa pods. Are you interested? Oh yeah. You know, that sounds great. Or, Hey, we're trying this thing out. Whereas, you know, when somebody's shipping you product, usually it's a little larger of a quantity and, you know, you're not quite as, you're not quite there. Mm -hmm. And even a lot of my farms, I go straight to them, you know, Pacific Floral Exchange. I actually go to their location every week and I, I email my, my wish list, but I also pick out things from the mm, floor. Mm-hmm. And they're in and Hilo. And so it's like a tangible, they're in Hilo, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I'm actually there and able to go, ooh, what is that? Yeah. Mm. You know, and things mm-hmm. that maybe the seller on the seller's end wouldn't think that a florist would like or, you know, wouldn't think to offer. When you're able to go to the farm and see it, it, you know, to me, it makes a big difference. You can be like, oh my gosh, do you have any more of those like blushy pink white anthuriums that like <laughs> you had last week? You know, <laughs> you can kind of like, even if you don't know the bridal names, you can be like, oh, point things out. Sure. And so to me, that makes a big difference. Yeah, that's wonderful. I remember you also mentioned, uh, I was surprised that you can get hydrangea on the island. That surprised me that somebody's oh, yeah. growing that. We have several growers. Um, we have one really small pop, mom and pop grower, and she calls every week. And sometimes we have to just tell her we, we already have enough right now. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. All next week. Oh, that's know. sweet. What does um, she have? Like a few bunches yeah, or something? She she just has some bushes, and she just lives down the street from us, and she mm. just brings it when she's got it. And I finally had to say, you know, you're gonna have to call because we're not we're not going <laughs> through it fast enough. <laughs> I love it. Um, I love it. Well, the scale is, is, I guess it just blows my mind that, you know, something that I consider, I don't know, a, a, a plant that I would see all across Western Washington, that it actually is doing in a, in a completely different zone, like you're in, is just, mm-hmm. just doing well as, you know, it can handle the humidity, for They're example. They're very, very adaptable. Mm. Yeah, they are, they are. We do have a hard time because our soil is so acidic. Mm. 
they almost all inevitably turn blue. Mm, mm-hmm. So getting pure white. Yeah, I <laughs> is, see. Um, Tricky. <laughs> it almost always has a light bluish tinge, which is great for the brides that want blue. But when you're on a blush and white palette, a lot of times I'll have to bring the white in. Yeah, yeah, um, interesting. pink. The colors we don't see as much, but yeah, blue hydrangea, I, I seldom have to bring that in. We have it <laughs> quite prolifically. Oh my gosh. Well, you mentioned just briefly that one of the growers um, that you source from is in the volcano region. And I've been wanting to ask you what's going on in, on the island right now with, with just um, people's lives, businesses, farms, um, and just the, the general spirit of the big island with the volcano activity. I, it's not been in the news just in recent weeks, but for right. the, the spring, it was every day there was some horrible story about yeah. it. Well, so yeah, the the volcano is on our island, and it is it has devastated a region. Um, it is a small region. Um, unfortunately, it's a region that had quite a few of our orchid farms. Oh, wow. um, I think last I heard there were eight farms that have been taken mm. um, by the lava. And a lot of those were more specialty vandas, um, macaras, quite a few dendrobium. Mm. Um, fortunately for us, we, we do have other suppliers and there, you know, it obviously did not devastate all of them, but it did put a, you know, it's going to take a while for the industry to recover. Thankfully, thus far, there have been no lost lives due to the volcanoes. So, you know, their farm is lost, but fortunately, you know, they're okay. And, and hopefully they'll be able to rebuild. Um, The other thing that's affecting some of the plants and flowers in the region. And the region is, um, Kapoho is the latest town to be pretty wiped out. Wow. Um, and then Lilani Estate and Anavale. Um, there is still an active flow, but what people need to understand is there has been an active flow on our island for about 35 years. Wow. And even before that, there was an active flow on and off. The difference is that it's affecting houses right now. Got it. But, you know, besides that, you know, right now, if you were in my town, you would have absolutely no idea that there is an active volcano on the island. Because you're kind of in the north. We're about you're in 80 northeast. Miles. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you how far. Yeah. So I'm sorry to me to cut you off. So 80 miles is like, but you're to the northeast, no, no, no. right? Yeah. We're, we're probably 80 miles away. And then the, the other thing that is affecting the island, which is, is the fog, and that's volcanic pollution mm. in the air. Mm. And that, you know, again, that come and go, comes and goes, you know, even, I mean, as long as I can remember, and I was born here. Um, so it is, it is a little bit worse with the more active and a little bit larger flow. We also had a crater that was kind of erupting some volcanic ash, but not in the way that you've seen with the recent activity in Guatemala. Right. You know, it's not covering our whole island. I think there were two days. On, on my side of the island that were really voggy and really like you could smell a little bit of sulfur in the air. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know Kona's getting some fog, but all, you know, in general, it's, you know, our island's completely safe and doing well. There's just unfortunately some regions that have been affected and, you know, and they were in a zone and were aware that that could happen. 
You know, right. this wasn't a complete shock. Right. It's um, so, yeah, I mean, it's so interesting. I was talking with um, Hedda Borstrom of uh, Full Bloom Farm, who created the Dahlia dress for American Flowers Week mm-hmm. in, in Sonoma County. Against so the, beautiful. Yeah, and against the backdrop of the wildfires that were devastating to a lot of homes and businesses in that kind of mm-hmm. Sonoma, you know, Sonoma wine country. And we were just saying like, this has been a horrible year for natural disasters affecting flower farming um, with floods and hurricanes and fires and volcanoes. It's just, it's just, I guess, kind of sobering to think about, you know, the fact that mm-hmm. it, what we're doing is, is beautiful, but against kind of, the wild threat of nature, you know, and that you can't control. Yes. Exactly. And that's always been, you know, I worked in an organic farm that did produce meal. That's just always sort of been, even when my dad had a nursery is you're, I think farming more than a lot of um, jobs is so dependent on the weather and the climate. Mm-hmm. And by you extension, know, and people don't always realize that. Yeah. And by extension, that affects the floral industry because it's a per- mm-hmm. perishable product. So, I mean, it's amazing yeah, that you're <laughs> it's amazing that you're doing as many weddings a week as you are, considering um, just the challenges you're up against. So, congratulations just yes. for for keep holding it together. Um, I mean, a lot of that is you know education and the coordinators that we're working with, educating people that yes, it is safe to come to our island. You know, yes, the national park is closed for volcano but we do have so many other amazing things you can do while you're on our island and your wedding will still be stunning you know we we have had a few cancellations but we've also at the same time had quite a few you know of just pop-up elopements and things like we normally do yeah. So it's, it's been a blessing to see for sure. Well, I guess I was going to ask you, how can people support you? And I guess the way they can support you is to still come to the big island and be a tourist mm-hmm. and um, just keep the yeah. economy going, right? Absolutely. Yeah. For a while, um, with the news coverage, because there were a few reports that just got it, you know, they didn't quite fact, fact check all the way. And I, I don't want to throw them under the bus. Yeah. But, you know, they just did not do all their homework. Um, and we did start having real panic about people coming here and even to other islands and the mm. other islands like are so not affected. I right. mean, it's, you know, it's not even a remotely an issue They're and they're an ocean away. Right. right. Um, and so thankfully, you know, the tourism industry really got, got on board and spoke with, you know, different officials and said, look, you know, you got to get your facts straight. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, it's serious. You know, people's homes and livelihoods have been lost. But if the rest of our island is losing their jobs also, we're not going to be able to help support, you know, these people in need. Yeah, and the rebuilding and all that. And the rebuilding, you know. So it looks like, you know, for a while the cruise ships canceled, and that was really devastating to a lot of people's livelihood. You know, it doesn't – I don't think we've gotten too much of that – in, the, in our floral industry mm-hmm. from my shop, but um, I know a lot of people do depend on that. And yeah. so that was really devastating. Yeah. Well, um, but, well thanks for, for all you're doing to support local, local agriculture and, um, you know, just being there and, you know, advocating for these small scale farms. I mean, they're all pretty much uh, small. I don't know that they are all tiny, but, you know, they're, they're island based, right? 
island-based, yeah. And most of them, I mean, in the grand scheme of things of what people consider smaller farms, yeah, they're, they're mostly pretty, quite a few of them are just small mom and pop operations. And those are some of our favorite, you know, <laughs> not, not that we have favorites. We love all of our growers, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> um, uh, Allison, I, I, like I, I, <laughs> I won't even ask you what your favorite flower is because that won't be fair. <laughs> Oh, you know, it's the ones I can't get lilacs <laughs> and, and, and lilacoy flowers. I love passion fruit, L- passion fruit with lilacoy. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have a favorite. <laughs> wow, well, I if I start it. thinking about it, I list too many. Um, well, yeah. hey, this has been so much fun to catch up with you and to share your story a little bit. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Um, it's been a blast. Yeah. Well, I know that, uh, people listening will have to come over to deborahprinzing.com to see some of the amazing, uh, photos that were taken by, um, Megan Spellman of Bikini Birdie Photography, who you collaborated with on this gorgeous yes. styled shoot for American Flowers Week. Thank you so much. This just, I, I can't stop staring at these images. They're, they're stunning. And the, oh, the story behind them. so much fun. <clears throat> Good. <laughs> Good. Well, it, it makes me happy and I hopefully will inspire a lot of other uh, people in the floral industry to, to, to elevate their work um, in new ways. So congratulations, yes. Allison. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, you bet. And everyone can find and follow Grace Flowers Hawaii. I'll share all the links. And who knows, maybe uh, maybe Allison and, and Nicole will have a workshop one of these days and we'll all get to come over and play with their flowers. <laughs> we, we would love that. And we'll let you know if that happens for sure. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks, Allison. Take care. <laughs> Thanks. Aloha. Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so excited to be here with Kelly Shore of Petals by the Shore. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Deborah. Thanks so much for having me again. I know. Again, why are we doing this? Well, we have just finished up yesterday of our Slow Flowers Summit here in Washington, D.C., and I can't say enough good things about it. The turnout, the audience uh, members that came, just a great um, showcase of how important this movement is mm. and um, how much you mean to this community. Mm. Well, we weren't going to talk too much about the summit, but I'm glad you brought it up because Kelly and her her woman in arms, Mary Kate Kinane of the local bouquet, two good friends who both um, showcase local seasonal and domestic flowers in their design work, gave a great presentation. And we'll share video down the road um, of a year of local flowers, which was your talk. And you guys knocked it out of the park. It was so inspiring. Oh, thanks. We really wanted to uh, just connect with the audience and connect with those um, who were in attendance that were thinking about buying local and American grown, but maybe it was a scary Mm -hmm. idea or those that were in the trenches with us. And we just hope we really connected Mm -hmm. with those that were there with us yesterday. Yeah, it was great. Uh, Well, we'll, I'll be talking a lot about the Sunflower Summit recapping uh, very soon in future episodes. But this episode is, is... going to air on July 4th, the last day of American Flowers Week. So fitting that it lands on the 4th because um, we just uh, are celebrating a project that you did on behalf of American Flowers Week almost a year ago mm-hmm. in July of 2017. But 
kind of at the end of the month. So we, we kind of got way ahead of ourselves planning the one of the well the first floral fashion look to be photographed for 2018 and um you and i were together so we were um both at scenic place peonies in homer alaska Mm -hmm. as guests of beth van sant and kirk wyhan um but it was for the field to vase dinner that they held the first one ever in alaska and Mm -hmm. you were the featured floral designer and that kind of happened as a kismet thing anyway right oh it was it was totally kismet um it was the most amazing week of my life, just a full immersion experience, um, being there on the farm, being the featured floral designer, and then finishing it up on my very last day with you. <laughs> and this uh, amazing project that now... Um, now we can share with everybody. ...part of the poster of... <laughs> the 2018 uh, American Flowers Week. Well, yeah, you had, um, in a week, you managed to do a personal styled shoot, with which we published in Florist mm-hmm. Review last year, or part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which was <clears throat> very peony romantic, mm-hmm. right? And then the Field to Vase Dinner had, you did how many pieces for how many guests? Oh. Like 100, you said 125 guests. So it, oh man. It was no, like... Losing me. Well, let's just say hundreds of stems, right? I think there there was hundreds. And we used everything we possibly could off the farm and off the high tunnels. Um, everything was foraged or harvested. Um, and we had two long tables, I think, with 60 yeah. to 70 guests mm-hmm. each. So there wasn't an inch that wasn't uh, filled with floral or uh, fishing uh, <laughs> paraphernalia, I would say. <laughs> and then the next day, we got up, and you... Uh, pulled off an amazing feat, which was designing a floral fashion mm-hmm. um, inspired by Homer and with some inspiration and suggestions from Beth and, yes. and sort of her thinking that she had put into it. And I, I was impressed beyond belief of how that came together. Taking the starting point of Homer's two main uh, commodities, basically. Mm-hmm. Do you want to describe that? Sure. So Beth, the whole week um, through the field-based dinner and then through this project, um, it was really best desired to have both the two economies of Homer represented in everything that we did, and that is the fishing culture and the peony um, farming. So um, for the American Flowers Week Floral Couture, we, um, Grundens is uh, like overall, call? like fishing for, for fishing, but they use it. Um, the peony farmers use it when they go out in the fields because since it rains on and off so much and there's so much moisture when they go out to harvest, they put these grendons on so that their clothes aren't wet. And grendons are picture these giant kind of vinyl overalls that are mm. usually bright orange, right? Bright orange, green, yeah. brown, very masculine. But somehow Grundens has a white one with pink logo, which we somehow requested and they donated they for did. this. Yeah, they very did. feminine. Yeah, and um, Ashley Johnson was, um, she's a farmer from North Carolina who was spending the summer there. And just a beautiful girl inside and out. And um, Beth had chosen her to be our model, which I think was so fitting. Um, so I kind of had free reign to do whatever I wanted and I, you know, limited time, limited resources of, um, what could I use? You know, I'm not going to sew flowers onto anything and, and we wanted the Grundens to be seen, but we also had this large, um, fishing seine netting that we wanted to use. So, um, I remember I asked Beth for a 
um, bed sheet. And she said, well, am I going to get it back? And I said, no, sorry, sorry. <laughs> we need, I need to cut this up and I need to glue on And she was like, oh, okay. So um, I put this oh, bed right. sheet. How um, did you do that? I just kind of uh, gathered it up behind the netting so that I had something to glue on to. And okay. we just, I mean, the, the net, I wish we had measured it, but I mean. It was like 12 feet long or something. It was, it was huge. And it, and it ended up looking like a mermaid tail if you look on some of the photos. Yeah. Um, but Beth had saved hundreds of um, pink, hot pink, and white paintings for us to use. And um, we just layered all the colors for this, like, ombre look. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted the netting to show, too. And then we attached it to the top of the Grundons um, so that it... Uh, my idea was that when we went down um, to the spit where all the boats were, that it would look like she had gathered up this net of peonies out of the sea. Just kind of like this metaphorical, you know, just play on the fishing community and the peonies. Um, I love it. The, the fresh catch. Yeah. And um, we also uh, layered the peony petals in an ombre look that you actually helped me with. I did. Um, on the suspenders. And that was really a beautiful touch. And I think, um, oh, I also added um, a peony floral crown, just something very simple. Yeah. Um, we didn't want to bring in any other flowers used on the farm. We just wanted it peony focused. And also I created a bouquet out of um, a very non-traditional um, bouquet out of uh, driftwood with just the peonies resting in them. Mm-hmm. So then when we went down to the spit, um, we kind of um, scoped out the boats and I was just determined to find a boat that said Homer on it. And, and that- by the way, this was sort of like foraging at in the at midnight but we were in broad daylight with no permission to go down on these docks no. but nobody seemed to mind no it was so cute it was the fishing do- the fisher boat the fishing boats so we're yeah, on and we just docks. had this big um, like wheelbarrow cart that we were just hauling everything down and we found this beautiful boat um and that's right it said homer right on the back homer and behind that you had the view of the glaciers and i just thought well that's the most fitting backdrop and to tell this whole story. And I think that's my favorite photo out of mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had Joshua Velstra and his wife, Brittany, who were with us, who are two amazing photographers. Joshua was named Alaska's best photographer last year. Mm. And um, I, I loved, the, I mean, he's native to Homer and um, jumped he, up in the yeah. boat, mm-hmm. told us to come up. We didn't know who, who owned the boat, but you know, we weren't doing any damage. We just wanted to you know, have that whole effect. And it was, it was really just a magical experience to be with native Alaskans um, and just to see their excitement and what we were producing and, and just to um, be yeah. part of something for the future. Well, it was such a strong sense of place. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you said the two economies, you know, Beth's husband, Beth and her husband, Kurt, are both fish. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's more of his uh, ongoing, you know, one of his many jobs. Everyone in Alaska seems to have at least three jobs. jobs. Um, But uh, Ashley just went right along with it and and did look kind of like maybe she was a magical creature from another planet or or from under the sea or whatever. Um, I love the fact that you thought through all those details because designing with fishing gear... It's not feminine necessarily, mm-hmm. and it's not bodycon. Although she had a tank top on, so you could sort of see her shoulders and mm-hmm. 
neck and, and you know around her face she was just beautifully mm-hmm. you know made up and so you you gave it um, just such a distinct with with so much respect for the farmers and the fishermen you gave you you gave it you paid an homage to what they're doing in that wonderful town and I loved that um, it was fun well, I felt very welcomed by the community um, and I felt appreciated for what I was doing to highlight all that they bring mm-hmm. to their community. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was a great way to end my trip and and <laughs> to kind of seal um, the future for them, just to bring awareness and visibility. Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, it's still foreign to people that you can grow peonies in Alaska because it's not, it, it's not synonymous, you know, in people's um, mind. No, and I, I, I heard a, a statistic at the summit from Chris Becks of Arctic Alaska Peonies, which kind of, I don't know why I was surprised by it, but he said 97% of the peonies that they harvest with their cooperative leave Alaska. So it's just sheer numbers of the population of the state. It's, it's under a million people. Right. They can grow these beautiful flowers, but they need us to, to be the customers. Right. And um, you have really popularized Alaska peonies in, in with a number of photo shoots. You've got an, another been, one planned. I have you? another one that I'm trying to get um, a publication to pick up. But if they don't, I'm just going to share it. Um, I'll be heading back to Alaska on um, July 15th, uh, stopping to see you for a little bit in Yay. Seattle. Um, never been there before. And then I'll be spending a week in Alaska um, on the farm with a couple people. And we'll be doing some photo shoots and just really having um, a full immersion experience. What is your, um, from a designer, just a practical designer point of view, what is it about the product that you get so excited about working with, you know, just creatively, um, those, those just from the field of peony stems? I mean, I, I loved peonies before I even knew that they grew in Alaska, um, mm-hmm. just for their scent, for the many layers within mm-hmm. the bloom. Um, they they were a flower that I never experienced, um, in flower shops um, in the beginning of my career or, you know, growing up um, around the United States, I I never had experience. So I think there's um, a magical quality to it. There's, um, it's romanticized. Mm -hmm. um, And also to see where it grows in such a beautiful location and how hardworking the farmers are, um, to me, it just um, symbolizes beauty on a different level for me mm-hmm. and and I want to be that storyteller and mm-hmm. um, you know I was able to bring back a box of peonies for my bride last summer uh, carried across with me um, from Alaska to Maryland and surprise her with those and that was probably the one of the most poignant moments for me um, because she followed me on Instagram and saw this box of peonies um, coming with me. Now, did she know they were for her? No. But when I walked in with her bouquet, um, there were just tears and, and a gasp because it's a flower that just brings joy to people. Yeah, yeah. It really is. And there's something about that enormous flower oh when gosh. it's open and the multi-petals, as you mentioned. It's almost unreal. Yeah, the saturation of the color. Even the whites are, mm-hmm. like, more crisp or something. They, because of all the sunlight they get, the colors, like you said, are so much more saturated. Um, and there's a scent to them that you don't always get, you know. Um, Out of a cooler. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but farm fresh, just picked, Yeah, is... It's incredible. 
Well, have you done other wearable designs before, or is that kind of... I do a lot of floral crowns. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the tiny, detailed work um, of that, but... I had never glued that many flowers to a bed sheet in a net before, and I had no clue if it was going to work. Thank God for our Oasis cold glue. Yep. If you never believed in that glue before, it works. Well, what you demonstrated, and also we were under a bit of a time crunch. I remember I was flying out that afternoon. And I think I was that night. Yeah, and, and we also just, we only had hired Joshua for half a day and like a lot of things. It's just the nature of the business of being a floral designer anyway, right? You're, like, thinking on your feet. Yeah, think on your feet and work with what you got. I mean, if I had had more... But sometimes when you don't have the time to think about it, a better result happens. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you don't... With creative people, sometimes we we overthink things. (laughs) And so for this, it was just what it was. And, you know, when we got the photos back, we were... It was just that aha moment, like, okay, we did it. Yeah, it really, they were breathtaking. They are breathtaking, and we'll share some of them on um, on our show notes. And I think I have some behind-the-scenes ones. Oh, I do, too. Oh, good. Let's share a few wait. of those. <laughs> so you've had a crazy year, and you just kind of shared your story at the Soulflower Summit mm-hmm. of how you've really immersed yourself in this mission to um, to inc- be as intentional as possible in your flower sourcing mm-hmm. and working with a number of farmers in your own area mm-hmm. and then also a lot of the national uh, people who are able to supply nationally through mm-hmm. um, your relationship with American Grown. So do you want to talk about what what night you know what lessons you've learned or what you're hoping to oh, wow. see next year or because um, you you haven't barely slept, I think. No, this has been a big year. like I can't believe it's almost July. Um, I came into this year gung-ho that I was going to be only sourcing local and American grown. And I kind of had to pull back and calm myself down and think this through because profitability wise, when I priced these weddings, I knew that I had priced them more so on how I had sourced imports. Mm. And there's, there is some of these bids you, you wrote a year ago. No. Yeah. Most of my weddings are, um, a year to a year and a half in advance. Okay. So, you know, a lot had happened since I had met these brides and, and wrote these um, contracts, but I wasn't going to let that stop me. And I had told my husband that there may be some profit losses here because this is going to be a learning year for me. I want to figure out how to make this work. Um, and I want to know what can I buy 12 months a year. So I started a project um, in January, mid-January, um, with Sarah Collier of Taken by Sarah. And every month we have... Um, created a just it's with a model a dress and a bouquet and I use DV flora I have just give them a color palette tell them the colors and um you know some of the farms that I would like to buy from and if I can't get what I need from them then I've sourced from the other farms I've made relationships with mm-hmm. throughout the year and I've also it's also encouraged me to really put myself out there connect with these farms set up accounts um, whether they're small boutique farms or they're larger certified American grown farms um, I I feel like my network of farms and who I can source from I feel very I feel like I have a safety net. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're not going to be out there promising something that you can't no. execute. No, before I just used one wholesaler for six years. And if I couldn't get from there, then 
I was limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one wholesaler can't get everything. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of got to put, you know, your eggs in a lot of baskets. And, and it takes it takes more work. Yeah, and, and it takes to... a lot of time and um, a lot of preparation. And I'm getting better each week. <laughs> um, but it's been a huge feat for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because also, especially with the local farmers, they sometimes don't know until a week before. And... Of what they're going to harvest. Of what they're going to yeah. have. And I can't always wait until the last moment. Sometimes it works out. Mm-hmm. And I can because other farms kind of come through. But, I mean, communication is key here. Mm-hmm. And just by having those relationships and understanding one another and respect for one another um, and them understanding my needs, then I think I will become more and more successful in my procurement. You also mentioned that... Um your uh your this photo shoot i just want to finish on that idea like you you and sarah are partnering to do this photo shoot Mm -hmm. with an arrangement or a a bouquet a bridal bouquet bouquet Mm -hmm. every month and you're how far so have you done the july photo shoot yet we've not done july we still have july until november to finish okay so have you been able to really see the progression of the seasons just from the first one you did in january to june i mean you're halfway through yeah i've made a lot more connections um since then this project is gives you a reason to contact some of these farms yes. I mean, you kind of created this assignment to challenge yourself oh now. it's yeah and i've kept notes of where the challenges have happened i mean i've had um some farms tell me that they can't sell directly to me mm. and at first i was a little taken aback but as I've understood relationships between, I don't want to cut out the wholesaler. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm trying to right. do. Um, but if a wholesaler can't get it for me, then I'm not just going to sit here and just wait for somebody to contact me. I have to be proactive. And if I want to get certain types of flowers, um, I, I have to go knocking on doors mm-hmm. and, and email people and call people up. Um, and I have, to, I have to be my own advocate mm-hmm. in this to make changes. That is great advice for anybody because I think, I'm not saying this happens a lot now in my conversations, but five years ago, I would continually hear, well, I would buy local if they were, if if local product was available. And that's such a passive attitude. Mm -hmm. Um, Even now, you're not having it brought to you in every case. You're having to go hunt it down. So, I mean, that's how you find your first relationships with farmers at your local farmer's market. And then you somehow... Got invited to their farms. Yeah, and and I, it, I think for next year, part of what I want to do is actually go to these farms mm-hmm. and see how they grow it. Because again, it's that other um, sensory experience to see it, to touch it. You know, I've experienced it here in my studio, but to have that connection of where it grows, you know, and um, I just think there's just a stronger connection. Well, and, you you said yesterday in your presentation that that's the way you learn. Mm-hmm. You learn experientially. experientially. So I, that totally makes sense. So you mm-hmm. want to be on those farms. Yeah. I can't just sit on a computer and scroll through and and pick out the best things that I want to use or see things. Um, I, I, I have to experience it. Mm-hmm. I've always been that mm-hmm. way. I love that. I love that. So you're going to get through this year. Mm-hmm. It's uh, hopefully get through December with your bouquet project. Mm-hmm. You're call, are you calling it 
a year of local bouquets? I don't know if we've come up with that. Oh, them. okay. I know you had that hashtag that you used when you did the project I, with Leon. We had a year of local flowers. Oh, I a year. Okay. I started that whole Instagram thing, but yeah. I haven't kept up with it. That's okay. Maybe one it's day. still there. Maybe it's one still day. there. We're hoping to publish that series of 12 um, bouquets that you, you're doing uh, with Sarah Collier in January. Yeah. Hopefully that'll work out. I don't know what our timing is. On well, that's why we're getting done in November. Okay. So that it can go in January. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, I, you have a few more days of American Flowers Week. <laughs> you you celebrated at the beginning, so I'm you're off the hook. You don't have to do any more celebration. Can I why? just can I just tell can we tell everybody what you did for American oh. Flowers Week? To and you included me, and I think it's a good way to end because this is July Fourth when people are hearing this. Um, well, we started on Tuesday with a photo shoot at the Congressional Club, um, and that was all local and American grown flowers um, that. I partnered with some good friends of mine. I just wanted to, you know, kind of just do something really big and dramatic and show what what you can do, a local and American grown, and with a color palette, a blush color palette, which is challenging. The photo shoot at the Congressional Club, that's meaningful because you've worked with the Congressional mm-hmm. Club members for the last two years, right? I have. They've become... I feel very close to them. We've mm-hmm. um, worked very close together to um, execute two beautiful luncheons um, with Certified American Grown and with a team of anywhere, well, I guess over the last year, almost 100 volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they've become a new venue here in the Washington, D.C. area. And so um, sometimes when you're trying to sell a new venue and there's no prior photos to show what a wedding looks like it's hard to sell it and I wanted to help them um, mm. get that imagery more, yeah and to become more visible and show you know we set up this huge elaborate um, staircase designed for a ceremony and I hope that it helps them you know one it's fun for me to be able to do that but I just wanted to give back to them too mm. for all that they've done for mm-hmm. us um, mm-hmm. and then Wednesday um, you joined us out on M&M Plants Farm, and we had M&M Plants, Bell Blooms, Petal Patch, and Hidden Ridge uh, flowers and herbs. And we All had, Maryland flower farmers mm-hmm, that you Maryland, buy from. Mm-hmm, all Maryland farms. And um, we had 55 people come and join us. We set up in the greenhouse because the weather reports were showing that we were supposed to have this crazy, ridiculous storm, and we didn't. It we was, had a few raindrops, but not much. But nothing like what we thought. Yeah. Um, we had an amazing band join us, and I partnered up with Katie of Rose Gold Events again, who brought in this band. And everybody brought a little bit of a dish to share. I supplied the drinks and the s'mores. We made uh, flower crowns in many different styles. It was, I think that's my favorite part is yeah. to see how people experience the flowers. We set up this beautiful flower bar. And I gave them a little bit of a tutorial about two different ways to design, but gave them the tools and it was just, you know, creative hour. There's no rules here. You know, and I think people are afraid who don't deal with flowers. Like, okay, well, what are the rules? And I don't believe in rules, honestly. I think you yeah. should design however it feels good to you. The creativity of the women and men who are there was amazing because not a single flower crown looked alike. Yeah. Some were like headbands. Some were like um, over the brow. Some were asymmetrical. They were just 
all different, and, and even little children have them. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed that so much. And you really brought the industry together because you had wedding industry professionals, other florists, other flower farmers, mm-hmm. and then just uh, flower enthusiasts. I don't mm-hmm. mean just like they're not important, but people who were appreciative of just getting their hands on flowers. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, people want that experience. People want to escape the day-to-day grind and just get back to nature. Um, I don't think we get those experiences as much as we want. You did this last year with Maggie and Mark at M&M Plants, and yes. um, I guess it was so much fun you decided to do it again. We did. You know, Maggie's got a beautiful farm, um, and I know that she worries that not enough is in bloom, but mm. that's that's part of seasonality. That's part of... Mm-hmm. Um, flower farms also you don't want everything going completely to bloom out in the field because you have to sell it right um, right and so i think it's good for people to come out and see it um there was plenty for them to see and experience oh yeah um, and, well and you invited other farms to bring mm-hmm. their crops so that was enough yeah for everybody. and we tried to communicate um and have them plan so that they were bringing things that I wanted a whole spectrum of blooms and um, yeah and greenery, and we had. Uh, I think one of the biggest hits was the blackberries. People yeah. love those. Yeah, um, it was a great textural mm-hmm. ad, and um, get that little drape in the gooseneck was another fun one. Yeah, um, and then I think we had some geranium leaves. There so, was just so much. There were so many highlights of that night, and I just think just having this backdrop of well, it's American Flowers Week. We're going to celebrate locally grown flowers and just have a party Mm -hmm. that's enough reason to create an event and you charged money and Mm -hmm. you got donations and you bought flowers from the farmers and it was um a huge success and we even got our picture taken in front of a rainbow oh my gosh wasn't that so wonderful yeah and then i got to see fireflies you did i took her to the back of the farm and turned off the lights and the van and the whole tree lit up and I know. It's like there was just fairies in there. I know. Okay, so, and some wars. And some wars. <laughs> I mean, you had it all. I, I know. Mean, and that was my night. that was my first day in DC. <laughs> That's a good way to kick off. Yeah. Well, I just appreciate your support and your commitment uh, to the Soul Flowers movement and to this community and your willingness to share your knowledge and experience at the summit yesterday. I'm still reeling from that. Mm, so we, and for those of you listening, we have been trying to record this little conversation for four days. So, uh, or maybe three, but, um, we're in a kind of a noisy restaurant. So we apologize for the reverb, but I think it'll come across sincere and passionate. And I don't know when people are going to hear from you next Kelly Shore, but I know it's going to be something blowing off the page. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> And I want to partner with people that I met yesterday. I want people to contact me and and um, feel like they can approach me mm-hmm. because I'm just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, putting myself out there a little bit more, but I want to be a resource for everybody to feel empowered to do this too. Awesome. Yes, you are a collaborator, and that's really what our community needs is more collaboration. So, yeah. well, here's to that a beautiful peony mermaid slash fisherwoman slash princess Ashley Johnson and to Beth and Kurt from Scenic Place Peonies and uh, to all the people who participated on that photo shoot um, Lisa was part of it and Mm -hmm. Joshua and Brittany we had a great team and I and I got to glue pedals on the shoulder straps so the we'll definitely show you the behind the scenes of us doing that (laughs) okay fun thanks Kelly so much thank you so much
wherever you find yourself this week, please feel thoroughly welcome to participate in American Flowers Week. I'll be searching and sharing your stories and posts. So use the hashtag American Flowers Week and I'll look forward to seeing what you're doing. You need inspiration to get started? We have all kinds of resources for you at AmericanFlowersWeek.com. I'm grateful to our entire community of flower farmers and floral designers who together define the Slow Flowers movement as our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry. The momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and I invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 333,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. So much to know you're popping in your earbuds each week to join these fascinating and inspiring conversations with me and my guests. I have fabulous news about the Slow Flowers podcast to share. GWA, the Association for Garden Communicators, has just awarded the Slow Flowers podcast a 2018 Silver Medal of Achievement for podcasting. This national award recognizes individuals and companies who achieve the highest level of talent and professionalism in garden communications. The 2018 competition had more than 260 entries in 56 categories. Recipients of the Silver Medal represent the top winners in each competition category and we will now compete for best of group in the areas of writing photography digital media broadcast media publishing and trade i'm so excited that my peers have recognized this podcast for its accomplishments i want to share the award with the entire slow flowers community Thank you to our sponsors who have supported Slow Flowers and all our programs. They include Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of passionate family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing bigger, better peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliages, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnny'sseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Mayesh Wholesale Florist, family-owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., 
and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayesh.com. Certified American Grown Flowers. The Certified American Grown program and label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit americangrownflowers.org. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American Grown Flowers on the table one base at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. And special thanks to Stephen Yowsey. 